Welcome to the Red Spurts Podcast with Massey and Newman. I am your host, Derek Massey. And I'm your co-host, Jeremy Newman. And we have a lot to talk about. Our last episode only aired two days ago, Newman, where we were making predictions before the trade deadline, what we thought the Red Legs would be doing. A lot of talks about Puig going places, um, some other players, and we kind of made our predictions. I feel like we talked about some of the things that did happen. So that's really what we're going to dive into today. The Reds were losers last night to the Atlanta Braves. Don't really need to talk. We can talk a little bit about that game, but mainly we're going to talk about these trade deadline. The this trade is deadline, our post-deadline post show. Post-deadline show and kind of what the Reds did and how this is going to affect us maybe the rest of this season and possibly um, what we think to be a 2020 World Series run. It's 2020 throw your chips in type of season where we try to win the whole thing. It looks like the Reds are... Uh, going forward in 2020. That's a very exciting uh, news, uh, I guess, happening that the, you know, it looks like the Reds are going to make moves towards uh, being definitely a playoff contender in 2020. Uh, The big trade, of course, was Trevor Bauer coming to Cincinnati uh, for Taylor Trammell, who went to San Diego. And of course, this heartbroken Cincinnati Reds fan myself, uh, Yasiel Puig fan, Yasiel Puig heading to Cleveland, and also Scott Moss, a left-handed prospect, also heading to Cleveland. This, of course, is a 2020 move. Uh, Bauer is with the Reds this year and will be controlled with the Reds next year through arbitration. And we also had, um, so yes, Trevor Bauer being one of the big trades there. Us uh, releasing Yasiel Puig, which wasn't a too uh, not released, but trading Yasiel Puig, which being you know kind of a smart idea, we would have had to pay him. We would have had to pay him, you know, pretty well to try to keep him correct. Well, the the silver lining, I guess, to Yasiel Puig leaving is that he is a free agent after the season. The Reds could come back two months from now and go back and make him an offer and bring him right back to Cincinnati, where he would be. He is just a pure rental for Cleveland for two months. Unless they decide to offer him a qualifying offer, as we mentioned in the last show. I don't see that with the payroll in Cleveland. Cleveland actually looks like they're trying to cut payroll if they can. This is uh, a bat to for them to try to win now. Well, if, I, if Bauer was a 2020 move for the Reds, Yasiel Puig coming, and among others, is a 2019 move for the Indians to try to possibly yeah. make one last run out. Well, and it reminds me a lot of two years ago when they tried to make a run where they traded for Jay Bruce. They brought Jay Bruce in for their postseason run, and he had some big moments for him. And then, of course, at the end of the season, Bruce left. So uh, Bruce was gone. So I feel like that's what the Indians are trying to do. They're trying to win now, and they're trying to bring a slugger in and a pretty good outfielder at that. But the main thing we want to talk about is the fact that we get Trevor Bauer out of this trade. Um, Because now Yasiel Puig, I really liked Yasiel Puig's letter to the Reds. I don't know if you got to read that. Um, I thought it was very respectful towards the organization, thought he – did a lot of good things for us while he was there. He really loved the city of Cincinnati. Did a lot of good things for, um, for the city. Um, so um, I he absolutely did. Yeah. He he actually uh, posted quite a few things on his Instagram account, and you know all the pictures and all the places he visited and all the things he did in a short amount of time. You know I didn't know this. He built a a playground for a uh, in Cincinnati for for uh, kids with disabilities mm-hmm. within a year. Yeah, um, did quite a few things. Has a has the Wild Horse Foundation um, that has done a lot of good for Cincinnati. You know, went out 
got as soon as he was traded, got to Cincinnati, got out amongst the people of Cincinnati, and immediately became a fan favorite. And you know, shook the hands of every reporter as he left and thanked them for you know working with him. It, a really good guy, a really good guy all together. You know, gets maybe a bad rap because you know he leaves his emotions on his sleeves as a lot of us do. And he's a competitor, so you know, kind of a guy you like to root for. I'd like to see the Reds possibly bring him back next year. They do. They do have some guys they're evaluating right now. Uh, Aristides Aquino in right field last night, giving him a chance. He's killed it at Louisville. Aquino Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Keep going. Aquino Matata, let's hit for the red legs. There you go. Very good. Very good. I've been wanting to sing that since we started producing this episode. That's Grammy Award winner. Yes. Right but, there. and so obviously, I just want to say, I know this is kind of cliche, but I really liked him. Thank you, Yasio Puig. If you ever listen to our podcast, maybe you hear this. Uh, it was a pleasure having you, man. It was fun watching your hustle every night. And I love watching your uh, um, emotions on your sleeve. I think it was fun to watch you slamming into the wall a couple times trying to catch some balls and things like that. And don't forget don't forget the little dust-up that happened right after the trade was announced. You it's fought actually, for us anyway. They announced it on the broadcast and Puig is still in right field. And of course there's the big rumble with Amir, the champ Garrett, uh, hey, taking on the entire pirates. Apollo team. Creed up there going in and fighting everybody rock. So and, and I, then, uh, Chris Archer getting slammed against the railing by Yasiel Puig before he leaves. And then the, the scene with Puig with the lady holding the Jersey and the standing ovation. That was, uh, that was quite the scene. If that's the final moments for Puig and Cincinnati, then, that left a lasting impression. I know a lot of Cleveland fans liked it because it was Pittsburgh, and people know football in the football season, they absolutely hate Pittsburgh. So there was a lot of. Uh, That's one uh, thing we Cle- can all agree on. Cleveland fans and Cincinnati fans alike hate the city of Pittsburgh. But yeah, Yasiel Puig, nothing but a class act for the Cincinnati Reds. Thank you. And talking about emotions on our sleeve, that leads us into the guy we get out of all this Trevor, the arm slinging, throw it into center field, Bauer. Um, wears his uh, emotions on his sleeve very much. I know that they've said different things. A lot of people think uh, this is a good move for the Indians just to get him out of there. I know that there's rumors Terry Francona was fed up with him, um, some of those things. But you're getting a guy who had a great season in 2018, and we've seen some uh, in some interviews here that Trevor Bauer said that he's been having fighting some injuries this season, and he hasn't really got to pitch to his full potential yet. Um, I personally think – Adding this guy with Castilla and Gray makes us one, um, especially if we're able to, um, we'll talk about going into next year what that, this is all going to imply. But especially right now, I think we have one of the best pitching staffs in the NL, Newman. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Trevor Bauer, we kind of kidded around with it, kind of tongue-in-cheek said, you know, if he chucks a ball in the outfield, hits the Toyota sign, and someone wins the Tundra. No one's gotten the Tundra. Yet. I guess maybe that might Do be something to look into. You know, that was our idea, Cincinnati Reds. So, I believe the Tundra you know. is like an 05 Tundra now. Yeah. So, yeah. no miles with on a, it. With a CD player cassette combo or something. Yes. But uh, the the uh, the guy that you're getting, you know, last year, of course, he had 100, uh, 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 221 Ks in 175 innings pitched. Led the e, led the AL in FIP, fielding independent pitching. Also ERA at two twenty one. Great season last year. You know this year's not you know not terrible. Three seventy nine ERA. Uh, but again, he said you know he's battled some injuries. He said he doesn't. You know, if you know Trevor Bauer, he never wants to miss a start. In fact, the guy said 
you could pitch me every four days. Don't pitch me every five days. Pitch me every four days. That's how much he wants to be out there. Very cerebral guy. Has a lot of content out there um, on, the, on the internet, on different social media platforms. Catch up with that if you get a chance. Um, but all in all, it's a competitor, loves baseball. Uh, first thing he said was he wants to learn Castillo's changeup. He wants to get with Castillo and kind of pick his brain and yeah. uh, see what could they do better. You know, and he's going to be with us next year. And as as Massey mentioned, that gives you a very nice top three. Uh, rivals many in baseball, that top three the Reds will have next year. So very good there. Um, of course, you hate to give up a, a top, top 30 prospect like Taylor Trammell. But after his season at Double A, you know the, the Reds may be onto something. You know, I, I, he was the top thirty prospect now, but maybe maybe not be after the season. It's kind of hard to see. You know, these rankings go up and down, kind of like the stock market. So you know, he may fall down a little bit. Probably will. Um, but you know, you have to give something to get something. So you know, a lot of fans upset right now about the farm system. But you know, you you do if you want to contend, you want to go after things each and every year. And you really do need to, um, you really do need to give up some quality, quality prospects there to get that type of pitcher. Well, and you know we've learned, especially from previous Reds teams, especially I think of '90. You know Newman and I were talking about the trade we made there to make that pitching staff so well because we had finished second in a couple years there in '88, '89. Brought in Danny Jackson. We brought in Danny Jackson, and it kind of brought it all together. You know, I hate, I, I know that we talk about uh, people like to watch home runs and hitting and all this stuff, but. Something, in my opinion, that's never changed about baseball. If you can have good pitching, solid pitching, it can take you a long way, and you can win. Let's look back at uh, when we hit, when we were de- when we were up 2-0 on the Giants, you know, a couple years ago in the playoffs. You know, um, I hate to talk about it, but one of our best pitchers went out, and it kind of went to crap, crap at the fan, right, you know. Right. So, you know, pitching is important. Pitching is a very important thing. I think the Reds know that. I think the Reds You know, know I really think back about yeah. 95, too. The yeah. 95 team that beat We're, the Dodgers in the divisional series. The Braves had better pitching. Then the Braves roll out, Maddox, Glavin, yeah. et al. Yeah. And it kind of just neutralized. And Reggie Sanders had a really great year that year. Yeah. You know, considered, considered you know, one of the frontrunners for the MVP, of the National League MVP that year. And, you know, completely just – it decimated him. I mean, it was it was kind of a one of those moments where, as a Reds fan, you kind of think about that. Is that's probably the thing you remember about Reggie Sanders, you yeah. know? Unfortunately, you know, I loved Reggie Sanders. That was one of those guys that when he came up, I remember the uh, the Dodgers had a first base prospect at the same time as him, and we were arguing with fans over you know who was going to Eric Karras. Remember Eric Karras? Yeah, uh, I was only five, but I remember. Yeah, well, you know, you're a smart five year old, so you know. <laughs> You remember Eric Karras. But anyways, uh, you know, I remember arguing with him over, you know, Reggie Sanders, was he going to get the rookie of the year? And that's – but that series, you know, the the good pitching neutralized the good hitting. And that's, that's you know, kind of what we were looking at with these top three. You know, personally, just looking at – a lot of people upset about Puig. And, you know, it hurt me. But the way Bam Meter's been coming on, you know, we got Nick Senzel out there. The way Irvin's been playing, uh, the way Aquino's been playing uh, in the AAA, you know, they bring him up. We have a we're going to have a solid lineup. We're going to be able to hit the ball. So the worry is not that we're not going to be able to hit the ball. And I feel like this year we've had a lot of moments where maybe our starting pitching, Descafani and Malley mainly, not being able to go the distance, even Roark, sorry, Roark, sorry. And this is going to give us that strength. We're going to have guys that can go, you know, seven innings and being able. You know, we've had moments this year where we've scored ten runs and we've lost eleven to ten, Newman. You know. Right. Um, 
this is going to be where we can get that 4-0 lead and keep that lead at least until the eighth inning. Right. Well, um, you mentioned uh, – And you then mentioned, you got Amir Garrett, who in my opinion is having an amazing year, and he has one of the best left hooks in the game. You mentioned a bunch of the uh, young guys there. This this trade and, and also the, the Scooter Jadette trade, which we'll talk a little bit about. Yes. Uh, it allows for guys like Josh Van Meter and Philip Irvin and Aristides Aquino, those guys to get some playing time at the major league level. Some real-time evaluation gets done there. You know, you look and see what do you have going into the next season? Do you need to go out and buy a hitter? You know, do you need to go out and sign a guy to to bring in to, to fill those spots? Or do you have those guys in-house? Are these young guys ready for the for the big show? You know, it's, this is – this is sort of some of the things that we're looking at. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of brings us to the Scooter trade. Scooter traded to the Giants. Player to be named later, that's probably based on how well Scooter does. Sometimes they do that where, you know, if he tears, tears the cover off the ball and is the old Scooter, then you're probably going to get a better player. If he hits rock bottom and doesn't do much, which is kind of what he's been doing, to be honest. I mean, not that I love Scooter, but it's kind of what's been happening since he come back from the groin injury. Probably get a lesser prospect, but still, you get a prospect. This allows Josh Van Meter to see if he can play. You know, can he be a regular second base? You know, Peraza, mm-hmm. where's he at? Uh, those sort of things. And also lets you see, when you're looking at the Giants, how well does Scooter do in San Francisco? Kind of yeah. gives you a chance there. Yeah, and, you know, um, just talking about this whole – with the, I know the Scooter trade – I saw some on Facebook. I saw a lot of advertisements about the secure trade and I saw a little angry faces instead of the like thumb up. You know, some right. people were, some people, and I get that he was a fan favorite, but guys, let's look at what Scooter was producing this season. Well, not only the injuries he was producing, has he hit a home run since he's been back? No, no. He has not. And, and the power just has not came around yet. And I think it will, but, yeah. you know, um, if the Reds get a prospect out of the deal, save a couple million dollars. Yeah. And, yeah, save a couple million dollars. We get we, we have better future ahead of us. And I think Van Meter can play second every day. And let's not forget, Peraza's been playing better. Peraza had right. a horrible first couple of months, but he's been hitting the ball better. He's got he's a good defensive second. I mean, he can play defense. But also, I think, Newman, you called it back in February, or it was an early episode of when we started this thing. You were talking about us trading Scooter back then, thinking maybe his best years are behind him and the idea of signing him. He's 29, going to be turning 30. You know, that you had talked about back then that this is probably going to be what they end up doing and that this ends up being a good idea for them because of the prospects we have. So I think while there's a lot of angry Reds fans because of the favoritism here, just like with Puig, I think in the long term it's going to be best for us. And I think it's going to give a lot of these young guys that have talent a chance to hit. And again, I'll say this, say this again. Reds fans out there listening. As as I say this, I am staring at a wild horse bobblehead and a scooter Jeanette riding a scooter bobblehead right. as I speak these words. So listen, Sitting right in front of us in a red Listen very carefully one more time. They are free agents in a couple months. They can come back. They can always come back. I will always say this. Since we live in Ohio, we have one NBA team. So when, when LeBron left, I hate to bring that up. I know he's gone again. I said about three months later, guys. He could come back. And he did. And he did. And then he left again. But these guys could come back, Newman. We're yes. looking at the ball. So if, the, if they're willing and the team is willing and there's a regular playing time spot, you know, it's not out of the question. But it's let's be realist before. here. Do we bring them back? 
<laughs> well, that's going to depend on how the how the the other guys perform for the rest of the year. Yes. Uh, looking at it money wise, uh, you're going to you're going to be looking at we talked about a forty six million dollar uh, budget to spend on the, on the on the last show. However, you know if you extended a qualifying offer to Alex Wood, which we're going to talk about in a couple seconds, and the arbitration raises for Bauer, Scafani, and so on, then that's going to eat into a lot of that money. So what we're looking at is, you know, can we get by without using our resources, our salary resources, mm-hmm. and still get the same production? I think that's what you got to look at with the young guys for the rest of the year and go into the next year. So uh, and that and that segues us into the other uh, events that uh, transpired. That brings um, us into yes, the uh, Tanner Roark. Tanner Roark trade. Uh, Tanner Roark, of course, again another free agent. Uh, Tanner Roark getting ready to be 33 years old, a free agent after this season. He's clearly a rental starter for the A's. The A's are not again a, a big budget team, kind of like the Reds. You know they they have to they have to be smart on what they use their resources on. Tanner Roark definitely feels the need for them. Um, let's face it, they've been having Homer Bailey start games. Yep. I mean that says it all. Yep. So they actually traded for Homer Bailey to start games. So t- t- trading for Tanner Roark. Uh, definitely a need for them. Um, we received a pretty nice prospect for uh, Tanner Roark. Uh, actually, received the a, the the A's number eight or number seven, depending on which rankings you're looking at. Uh, prospect Jamison Hanna mm-hmm. drafted last year in the second round. Uh, profiles as a true center fielder. That was something that Trammell, They were kind of questioning whether or not he was going to stay with center field. Um, but this guy is a uh, plus runner and plus defender and also has an above average hit tool as far as that goes. He's a contact hitter. Uh, think kind of like um, Jose Peraza. Mm-hmm. Does a nice job putting the bat on the ball. Uh, probably needs to work a little bit more on patience and getting on base. And then uh, his power numbers are kind of down. Not really known as a power guy, but still uh, a you know, solid player. Replaces Tremel actually in the organization – if you look at the depth chart of their outfielders, um, actually about the same age as Tramel. He's been playing at one one level lower, at high A, uh, at, and now he'll still be at high A, uh, actually, with the Reds, too. But replaces it, it replaces him as a center fielder, you know, not as highly regarded as a prospect, but still a quality guy who fills that role and uh, be kind of exciting to see what he does the next couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I and I just want to say I, I did. Uh, Tanner Roark wasn't like a spectacular thing, but I did enjoy the time we had with him. He had some good games for us. He's a solid guy. I wish him all the best. I think he's a professional. Has had some good years, and and some people were highly critical of him, but he did what we thought he would do. Um, and with a lot of these trades, you know, a lot of these guys we talked about at the beginning of the year. You know, we were going to see where we were at the All Star break, and we thought if we weren't competing, that we were going to not clean house, but start. You know. Clean, I guess, clean house. Reload, reload, reload. Is the word and, for it. and that leads us to a lot of uh, things to talk about. Well, not a lot. Of Before things, we but, get to that, there's one more little Tanner Roark uh, story there. Yes. Uh, if you did not hear this story, this is an interesting story. Tanner Roark apparently owns a house near the Atlanta area. And Tanner Roark. This is a horrible story. During the afternoon <laughs> of the, 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 the Reds, of course, played the, uh, the Pirates the night after the big brawl. And I guess he had permission to go ahead and head down to his house, maybe for a little R&R during the series, to go ahead and get a head start on getting there. 
So Tanner Roark is actually driving to the Atlanta area. He's on his way when he gets a call about the trade that he's been traded. Yes. And he actually, he said that he was actually ordering his food in the Arby's parking lot. He's going through the drive through, hitting the drive through for a beef. He looks and, like he eats at Arby's. For a beef and cheddar <laughs> and some curly fries. He looks like a beef and cheddar guy. Yes. And so he had to he had to eat his beef and cheddar and curly fries, and then he needed to turn right back around because he wasn't going to Atlanta. That, he was you think going that was the worst to California? Was that the worst beef and cheese Arby sandwich he's ever had? Oh, or do no. you think he was happy about going to Oakland? No. no. If you if you if you eat at Arby's enough, you you know that it's kind of hit or miss sometimes. Um, so he's probably had worse beef and cheddars. Sometimes the uh, kind of overload it with the red sauce, in my opinion. The red I ranch like the, sauce. I like the Arby sauce a lot. The legendary red ranch sauce. That Maybe that was a sign. It's a red ranch, and it was, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. um, interesting story for Tarrant Rock. I hope you get more Arby's in the future. That is not where you're getting traded. Do they have Arby's in California? I don't know. It I might be an Eastern thing. I don't know either, man. That would, uh, they got a terrible. cowboy hat. For like a yeah, I would struggle. I would struggle. I feel like it would be global. I'm not global, but now. Yeah, I bet they do. I bet okay, they do. Um, and that leads me into my next question, Newman. We have these trades. Reds obviously going with some of these younger prospects in the lineup. You know, bringing a, a Kino up and things like that. So my question for you is this. Well, there's a couple things because there are some talks about this. We have this final stretch here. Bauer made some comments about that. Uh, I don't know if you saw some about. Um, I believe they said Bauer. Um, uh, but I know that some of the Reds players have talked about making a getting on a run here before the end of the season to try to make a push at something. Um, or are we just putting all of our chips in for the 2020 season and pre- prepping for that? Well, I don't think they're throwing up the white flag yet. But, you know, losing last night, uh, the Cubs and Cardinals are playing each other. So someone's going to – you're going to lose a game one way or another to, eat, to one of those, whoever wins if you lose. You gain a game, of course, on one of them if you win. Uh, they're going into a tough stretch. They're playing uh, all but the Angels are above 500 for their next, I think, 16 games. So they're getting ready to play the division leaders quite a bit, play St. Louis, I believe. Uh, they also, uh, of course, are playing Atlanta. They also are playing Washington Nationals on the road, I believe, too. So their schedule's not – this is going to be the make or break. You're going to know where you stand after the next couple of weeks with Cincinnati Reds. Um so I don't think they're throwing in, up the white flag, but then again, you know, it's a tough road. You know, I, I, I think they're competitors. They'll see what they can do. They'll do their best to compete and get back in it. But, you know, I'm looking ahead more to 2020. You know, I'd really like to see them uh, try to retain Alex Wood. Alex Wood was not traded. He's probably, as we mentioned in the last episode, a qualifying offer candidate. That would be, you know, that one-year, $18 million deal. I'd like to see them try to sign him a little bit longer if they can, if the price is right. The uh, the potential of a Castillo, Bauer, Gray, Wood, one through four, that's pretty solid. That's pretty solid one through four. Winning baseball right there. You know, really, I, I think rivals any in baseball. Yes, and, and that's where, you know, I've talked about in the past that there were predictions, I think, when the Astros first won that World Series, their first World Series a couple of years ago, there was predictions back in, like, 2012 of the next 10 World Series. And some predictions had the Reds in the 2020-2021 range of being a team that could win it. And, you know, being a small market team, we haven't won one in – I'm 29. We won one in 1990. We haven't won one in almost – going to be 30 years next, next year. You know, we're not – with teams like ours – you kind of got to play that way. And I liked an analogy 
Uh, I don't know if you used it on the last episode or not. I think you said it after we got off the air, but you called it the Toronto Raptors analogy, where the Raptors, you know, they knew that Kawhi Leonard wasn't probably going to resign. So what they do, they went and won the thing. Yes, and they did. Is that what the Reds are going to try to do? Are the Reds going to just say, you know, like we talk about the Indians right now, going to go try to win it with Puig, getting Puig. Uh, we look at the Astros, get Granky right there. They're, they're throwing it in for this year, right? Are we going to just throw the chips in like the Raptors did with the NBA Finals this year and say, we're going after it, and heck, we might win it next year, and we win it. After that, we might be bad for another eight years or something. you know. But as a Reds fan, I would rather win it now, go for it uh, in 2020, and then if we're bad again for another – you know, we've been bad you know, numerous times in the past 30 years. So I'd rather go all in. That's After the last couple of years, you have to you have to appreciate – the management of the Reds, what's going on in that front office right now? They are, they are going for things. I mean, they're not they're not just showing up. I mean, we're trying our best. So you know, I, I I'm excited about the move. And you're right the 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 analogy that we come up with, or I was discussing, was the Toronto Raptors with Kawhi. You know, going after it. You know, making that kind of a trade. I think that's kind of similar to what the Bauer trade is. You know, gave up a really solid prospect. But prospects are prospects. They're, they're they're tradable for a reason. You know, you never know what's going to happen. In fact, uh, for those of you that remember another outfield prospect, uh, the name Yorman Rodriguez, uh, a lot of people's like, who's that? Well, that guy was the uh, the big Reds international signee back in two thousand and eight, signing for two point five million dollars as a sixteen year old. And two years later, one of the Reds front office guys who uh, actually is not there anymore uh, said that, you know, if Yorman was in the draft that year, you would forget about Bryce Harper. So that's how highly regarded this guy was. And, you know, ended up playing 11 games ever for the Reds and had numbers very similar to Taylor Trammell throughout his minor league career. If you look back, it's a very good comparison. Had all the physical tools, had all the talent in the world. Just never made it. And I'm sure there's other stories out there like that. But that one just kind of hit home. I, I was reading about it this morning, the Taylor Trammell uh, uh, comparison to Yorman Rodriguez. And Yorman Rodriguez was one of those prospects that was high up on everyone's list for years upon years, but never did never did pan out. So it, it's always a dice roll. You know, that's what these guys are getting paid a lot of money to do is evaluate players and make these kind of deals. And, you know, it's good to see the Reds going for it. I, I have to say it's exciting going into next year. It's exciting for the rest of this year. Exciting for our podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and just to, you know, we're getting to the last couple minutes here, Newman. We obviously have the Braves on slot for the, the next couple of games. We're going to get to see Trevor Bauer for the first time tomorrow night. Um, it was kind of cool seeing him in a Reds uni last night, just kind of hitting it off. I think he was sitting next to Mally last night during the game, just talking. And um, I like to hear Castillo, we want to learn Castillo's changeup. You know, Bauer's got a pretty good curveball, and it ticks off a lot of people. Because it's it's a good curveball, so I, I'm interested to see him learn Castillo's you know change and make that adage to his arsenal. How, how would you how would you like it if Castillo learned his curveball? Started that, yeah, <laughs> could throw that curveball. Yeah, yeah. Castillo actually, we'll talk about this maybe in a future episode, but Castillo struggles on the first pitch of an at bat. Yeah, statistically, that so, could be a good pitch to start off. With yes, right and something else I wanted to talk about was the um, you know this is from Scott Pollock uh, on uh, MLB for the. Bleacher Report. Uh, I just want to talk about that the MLB did throw some suspensions down for the awesome brawl that we got the other night. I just want to say it was the best brawl since the Cardinals brawl we had a couple, you know, back when uh, Phillips hit um, 
Yadier Molina on the shin there, and then Scott Rowland had that guy pinned up against the thing. It's the best fight we've had. With in a while. an honorable mention to the one earlier this year with the, oh, with where, the Pirates. Where we tried to fight them. We tried to fight the whole You know, team. Uh, dad, my dad, if you're listening, Ken Massey heard a stat on Mike and Gol- uh not Mike and Golick, um, Golick and Wingo. It said that the Pirates had, I think, 45. I, I might be getting the stat wrong. Anyway, they lead the league. They have the most peggings with a fastball. Okay, so meaning they're throwing deliberately at guys. And David Bell, we just saw Yossiel Puig on the MLB Network in his Indians uni. Was With his red hair. With his red hair. Um, you know, a lot of people are comparing him to Serrano from the Major League movies. Anyway, so. <laughs> but anyway, they uh, so that's why David Bell had warned the managers before the game to keep your eye on the Pirates, and that's why he ended up running back out. But we got a huge suspension. David Bell, six games. Amir Garrett, eight games. Jared Hughes, three games, um, and Yasiel Puig, now Indians, three games, and, of course, a lot of Pirates suspensions there. It was a pretty even suspension. However, um, do you think the MLB did the right thing here? Do you think the MLB should have uh, – and we got Trevor Bauer on the MLB network right now throwing the ball over center field. They're talking about him. Do you think the MLB did the right things with the suspensions, Newman? I think they had to do what they had to do. They they obviously don't want that kind of stuff going on every day. You know, you don't want the next two teams don't like each other. You know, Yankees, Red Sox, whoever, um, you know, Cardinals, Cubs doing the same stuff. This has went on for years, though. This yeah. this is not a new thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think they had to put their foot down. But, yeah. you know. I think that I like that the Reds are passionate and that they're going to fight for their teammates. And I like that we ain't going to put up with crap. And the last thing I want to say, we got about 35 seconds here. People are talking about Trevor Bauer throwing the ball over center field. I want a guy that hates to lose. And that's what Trevor Bauer is. And I'm very excited to watch him in a Reds uniform. Newman, you got any last thoughts today? I uh, just want to mention one thing. Uh, we, we are on Instagram now at the at the Red Spurts Podcast. That is at the Red Spurts Podcast on Instagram. Try to follow us on there and uh, shoot us a line or something. Let us know what you think. And then also on the next podcast, we have a big announcement. We'll leave that, kind of leave that as a cliffhanger. Big announcement.